everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Me In, colon, a movie podcast, where you didn't really ask for it, but hey, I'm going to give it to you anyways. This is a podcast where I talk about anything, everything, and well, anything about movies. I'm your host, Chase Lee, and hey guys, listen, if you're searching on the internet for the weird, fucked up Super Bowl 50 uh, commercials that just aired a couple hours ago, and you accidentally came across my movie pa- podcast, and you're not a movie fan, well, hey, maybe I can convince you to be one. So, uh, this is episode 116, guys, and... Um, you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about some movie news. We're gonna talk about a shit ton of trailers that just dropped, uh, particularly uh, two hours ago, and uh, my review of Hail Caesar, and uh, of course the box office results for the weekend. Um, so with that being said, let me take a sip of my Pepsi. I'm recording this late at night, so let's uh, boogie on down and get it all sexual. If I was that type of podcast, I'd totally do it. Um, but no, I I uh, I usually don't um, record. These episodes really late or anything, but uh, this episode I am focusing on the Super Bowl movie trailers uh, for some of the show, so I needed to sit through all of it, just make sure I I watched all of them, make sure I had all of them written down, and uh, what I was going to say about them. So, um, before we uh, get going, if you're watching on YouTube and you want an audio-only version uh, of this podcast, link will be in the description below, and if you're listening on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud, and you want a, a video version, you want to see me flail around, uh, on my new webcam, by the way, um, this is a uh, new webcam I'm recording on. Uh, it's very fluid, and uh, you know it's way better than uh, my old one, so it should look uh, pretty crisp. It's HD, so you can see all the nasty acne pores and my neck beard growing. It's pretty sexy. So, uh, yeah, uh, new webcam. It should be uh, very good for all the YouTube uh, uh, watchers out there. So, with that being said, guys... Let's do this. Episode 116 is on its way. So, uh, the first piece of news I want to talk about is uh, the Power Rangers movie. Now, (laughs) I am not uh, looking forward to it by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Uh, So, some news dropped about it this week. And the the evil lady in it, uh, the evil witch, uh, Rita, who is the crazy crazy one on the show where she has like terrible dubbing uh dumbing <laughs> terrible dubbing um yeah so she was cast in the movie which is strange and you're thinking to yourself well what kind of b-level horror actress was casted as um rita in the power rangers uh it's elizabeth banks yeah you remember her the uh horny blonde woman from 40 old virgin that like wanted Steve Carell to suck on her toe in the movie. Yeah, she's playing Rita in the Power Rangers movie. Um, she's also been in movies like uh, Zack and Mary Make a Porno and uh, you know Pitch Perfect, it, it, Hot, Wet Hot American Summer. So she's been around everywhere. She's starting to dip her toe into act, or directing a bit, and now she's going to revert back to the Power Rangers. Yippee skippy, fuck me. That sounds awful. Uh, but I got to tell you, I was not interested in the Power Rangers movie whatsoever. But with Elizabeth Banks being in the movie as the villain, I'm kind of interested now. I'm kind of interested to see if she's going to go like super campy with her or they're going to try to make this serious. I don't fucking know, but I'm, I'm kind of fucking scared to find out. So, um, yeah, that's the first piece of news that Elizabeth Banks is playing Rita, the evil person in the Power Rangers movie. This movie's going to bomb. I, I I said it when it first came out, and I will say it again. It will bomb very, very hard, and I don't know why Saber or Sabra or Sabretooth or whatever the fuck the company's name is that owns Power Rangers. I have no idea 
why they think this is a great idea to release this movie in theaters. Because the first one, I remember the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, uh, which I saw a thousand times um, as a kid, and I still kind of do now. Uh, Not really. I haven't seen it in like 10 years, maybe. Um, That did okay at the box office. And then they had a sequel called Power Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, and that thing flopped on its dick. I think it only made like like five million total, like worldwide. Like it it was pretty damn low. So, uh, but with Elizabeth Banks joining Power Rangers movie, I'm actually kind of curious now. So, uh, she probably got fat paid to uh, be in this movie. So good good for you, Elizabeth Banks. Um, the next piece of news is that Vin Diesel, the ever so loving uh, talking. Uh, testicle um you know he's he's very uh, uh he's very um you know a, a big presence on social media and his facebook account's ridiculous like that's got like 50 million likes or something he, i don't know he's he's crazy him and Dwayne the rock johnson are like facebook and twitter gurus so uh what's the piece of news you may ask well uh vin diesel the star of the Fa- fast and furious franchise and uh, other failing franchise like uh last witch hunter um so, uh, we know that the 8th movie is going to come out, and uh, I have the dates written here, and that is April 14th of uh, 2017, which is uh, next year, so roughly about a year and a couple months uh, away, um, uh, Fast and Furious 8 will drop. Uh, then he released the scheduled dates for 9 and 10. Uh, number 9 comes out April 19th, 1919, or... 1919 what the fuck okay so apparently i just regressed about 100 years uh 2019 and uh fast and furious 10 is going to come out april 2nd 2021 this is kind of interesting um i don't know why vin diesel would release the dates for specifically a movie that is not even coming out for another five years it just seems um kind of weird to me but Am I excited about these Fast and Furious sequels? Oh, fuck yeah, I am. Listen, I've been a champion of Fast and Furious for the longest time. I've liked it all the way since uh, the first one. I even liked the third one. And I like the fact that they're um, they're all out of order and stuff. Because uh, chronologically, if you look at it, it goes um, uh, 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 3, and 7. So that's how it is uh, story-wise in the movie. So I think that's kind of clever. But uh, number eight, I already knew they were doing. I already knew they were doing this trilogy, so they have their next trilogy set. When Fast and Furious came out in two thousand one, I was a fifth grader, and uh, you know, of course, I was into cars and I guess chicks in like half wearing clothes or whatever, because that's what all that movie is. That movie's made for dudes, and so as a fifth grader, I was you know eleven years old, and I liked it. I was like, well, my my little uh, puberty self just loved fast cars and women, so. Uh, you know, I continue on with the franchise, and I've really grown to love it, especially the absurdity of it, uh, especially number seven. I just cannot believe that after it's been going for 15 years now, that they're going to be going to number 10. Like, did you ever think as a youngin, like as a, as a little kid, that you were just like, Fast and Furious is going to make it to 10 entries? It's fucking ridiculous, man. So, uh... Yeah, I, I'm actually excited about the news. I just, you know, you're releasing it five years in advance. It's like, yikes. Uh, sure, I'll buy it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where, where they take it. And uh, sad that Paul Walker will not be joining it. But, you know, it was a nice little send-off for number seven. 
Uh, the next piece of news and the final piece of news for this week. Brian Singer, the director of X-Men, X-Men 2, X-Men Days of Future Past, and X-Men Apocalypse, will be directing a non-X-Men movie uh, very shortly, and that would be the adaptation of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, this is a uh, movie that's been, you know, I think made a couple times. Uh, once by Disney and once, I think, it was a TV movie. I, it, honestly, it hasn't been really made that many times, and... You kind of uh, figure with an old story like that, you figure there'd be plenty of uh, adaptations out there, but honestly, there's not. Um, but with Brian Singer uh, tackling this, uh, and they start shooting in the fall, by the way, so that that was the news. But I'm all on board for this. I, I love Brian Singer's uh, X-Men films. I'm a huge uh, superhero uh, junkie, as you guys can fucking tell uh, from the posters behind me, but... Uh, I like his non-X-Men movies, too. The Usual Suspects is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he also did Valkyrie, which is, I think is a, a very solid movie uh, that kind of gets flown under the radar a little bit. It's a very um, nice little uh, Tom Cruise movie. Um, and what else has he done? Oh, he did Jack the Giant Slayer. Gross. Uh, I didn't watch that movie, but the trailers were enough for me to like stay the fuck away from it. So... Um, yeah, with him doing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I'm excited because this is a guy that knows how to tackle epic storylines. Look at Days of Future Past. It had like 100,000 characters in it. It felt very epic in scale. And, you know, Brian Singer's got X-Men Apocalypse coming out, and that looks even bigger than Days of Future Past. So he can create epic environments. And I think with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I would be very interested to see his take. But uh, I remember... Uh, one of the directors in talks to the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea movie was actually David Fincher. Can you imagine what that fucking movie would be like? It would be dark, it would be gritty, it would be disturbing, and it would be everything my little heart desires. So that would have been amazing. But Brian Singer's still a great choice because, let's face it, he has done one of the best movies of all time, which is Usual Suspects. And, you know, he's very well known in the superhero genre. He's done Valkyrie and stuff. So he's kind of got like this nice little range as a director. And I'd be very curious to see what he does with the project. So that will be it for all the news stories, guys. Let's jump into the uh, the trailers and the Super Bowl trailers. You know, the appetizer, it's gone. So let's get into like the first course before we get into the main course, which is Hail Caesar. So let's talk about uh, the Super Bowl trailers that dropped and uh, some of the other trailers that dropped, uh, you know, sprinkled their little, uh, you know, fairy dust throughout the week. So, uh, I did sit through the Super Bowl. Um, you know, this is not a sports podcast, but it was a very, very good game until the very end when it was a nice little blowout. But I did enjoy the movie trailers. Uh, ironically, I did not like any of the uh, Super Bowl like commercials because they were all fucking weird and just fucking weird. Like I don't know how to describe it. It was like there was commercials for like IBS colon. Uh, stuff which is like what i have which is weird to see advil laundry detergent it was just a weird group of stuff and then cars of course so but that's besides the point we're here to talk about movies right talk about some movies all right so let's talk about some of the trailers that dropped throughout the week and then i'll get into the super bowl stuff um there were two trailers that dropped two regular trailers that dropped throughout the week no super bowl promotion it was just they kind of just happened and the first one is ice age continental or collision course Continental Drift, I think, is the fourth one. Either ways, fuck you. I don't want to see it. Um, Listen, I remember when the first one came out in, like, 2002. And I enjoyed it. I I liked it quite a bit. And uh, I, you know, I say this while looking at my trilogy over there that I have in the corner. Um, 
Ice Age the Meltdown is is fine, and the Dawn of the Dinosaurs is whatever. I don't know why I have that. I think that's my brother's actually. But um, I didn't see the fourth one. I was um, excuse me. I was working at the movie theater at the time, and it just it looked awful, and I did not want to see it. This fifth one looks bad. I just like the first one felt like this really like kind of grand scale story about the Ice Age with these um you know moments with these characters that you can kind of like get behind they're very heroic and stuff i don't know i just i felt like the first one was a nice little solid animated family adventure and you just kind of dove into this like really bad like cartoon network type of show uh with brighter colors and stuff because if you look at the color palette between number one and number five it is fascinating to see how the first one is like a little bit darker and uh now the fifth one's like super bright and colorful for the kids and stuff and it's like I just, I don't care. I really don't. Um, I'm glad that Ray Romano and uh, uh, John Leguizamo and Dennis Leary can get paid, but, you know, they've been with this franchise for five uh, movies now. I just, I do not care. Um, if you are a fan of them, let me know what you think of it down below, but uh, I'm telling you right now, I just, I, I don't care. Um, Ray Romano as a mammoth. Like, did, did he ever think that he'd wake up in the middle of his career and go, I'm the star of Everybody Loves Raymond. What's my what's my next step in life? Well, I could do that. Or I could voice a mammoth in Ice Age. That sounds fucking awesome. And it's going to carry on for five movies. And I'll be, you know, uh, very well off with those movies. I, I just, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Ice Age, Continental Course, uh, whatever, uh, came out. Uh, at least it's not as bad as Alvin and the Fuck Monks. I mean, Alvin and the Shit Monks. I mean, Alvin and the Dick Monks. Uh, uh, those movies need to go away. Like, just could be buried off into uh, Area 51 somewhere and be exper- experimented on and wonder why in the hell they were released in the first place. So the next trailer that came out, uh, uh, this is way better than Ice Age 5, is Miles Ahead. And this is directed and starring Don Cheadle, and he plays um, the legendary uh, Miles Davis uh, the, uh, you know, jazz musician, and, uh, wait, yeah, I just had a brain fart, it is Miles Davis, yes, yeah, I don't know why I was thinking of, uh, I think I was thinking of Louis Armstrong for some weird reason, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, so it stars Don Cheadle, it's directed by him, and it's gonna be a biopic on, uh, this guy's life and stuff, and I don't know much about uh, Miles Davis at all, but I know he's a very uh, famous musician. I've listened to some of the jazz tracks that he's done, and uh, he is a legend among that community. But this biopic looks great, and I think this is Don Cheadle's first uh, movie he has directed, so it looks awesome. It looks like it, this is a movie poised to, um, uh, you know, appease the biopic fans and. You know, it looks like it could be an Oscar movie at the same time while being entertaining. It just looks like a really rich story that uh, looks uh, well shot, well acted. It looks like it's firing on all cylinders. I am totally on board. So check out Miles Ahead, the Miles uh, Davis uh, trailer. Um, I usually like biopics. Um, I, I can't like recall any that I've like ever like loved to a point where like I just uh, can watch them over and over again. But last year. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Straight Out of Compton, and I actually just got it on Blu-ray a couple days ago, and I really want to rewatch it again because I was actually kind of blown away by it. So, uh, if they can make Miles Head a uh, biopic that's uh, just as good or even greater than Straight Out of Compton, we're good to go, man. So, uh, Miles Ahead looks fucking awesome. All right, so we got those two out of the way.
Now, this show is called Hail Caesar and Super Bowl Movie Trailers, so let's talk about some motherfucking Super Bowl trailers. Uh, let me take a drink of my Pepsi. I don't know why I'm drinking this so late, guys, because um, now I'm going to be up with all this caffeine running through my veins, but, uh, you know, I, I have to... I have to deliver this for you guys, so if you guys want me to not be drowsy, this is it right here. So, uh, Pepsi, it's a, it tastes terrible. It, it just rots your teeth. It's like liquid rotting. All right, so um, the first Super Bowl trailer, I think it was during uh, one of the pre-shows. Like, it was super early. It didn't actually play throughout the game, but is Alice Through the Looking Glass, which is Alice in Wonderland 2, and... It didn't really have any new footage. It was just kind of look more of a compact uh, trailer. What I've been noticing recently with their new promotional material and stuff is that they're really featuring Alan Rickman's voice as the Caterpillar, which is uh, sad because he you know passed away uh, last month. And it, I think Alice Through the Looking Glass was his final film, so I think they're really kind of pushing that... Um, and plus, the Caterpillar kind of led the first one anyway, so it makes sense. It's just uh, I, I realize that they've done a shift now uh, since he has passed. Uh, but yeah, there's really no f- new footage. I- I'm not really looking forward to the sequel. I remember um, I worked at the theater when the first one came out, and I didn't even see it for free until like weeks later when uh, I took my uh, my friend Patrick and we went down to the movie theater, and uh, we watched it super late, and I fell asleep during like... Uh, some of the third act a little bit, so uh, he liked it, and I had to rewatch it for some of the third act since I missed it. I still didn't care for it. Uh, it's just a colorful, vomity mess, and I just, I just don't care. Um, but the the only reason I'm like actually kind of curious about the Alice in Wonderland sequel is Sasha Baron Cohen playing uh, Time, and uh, I've always been a huge fan of him. Um, uh, ever since I was first exposed to him in uh, Borat. But the first ever movie I saw him in, without even noticing it was him, was uh, Ricky Bobby. But Borat was my first like introduction to him, which is a fascinating introduction once you see that movie. But it looks just more of the same. And Tim Burton's not directing it, he's producing it. So, no, not for me. But uh, with the 30-second the spot, I'm still not intrigued. Um but when it comes out, if uh, if I see it for free, I guess I'll go. But then someone wants to drag me to it. But I, I'm not going to physically like get up and go, I should see Alice in Wonderland 2. T-. Not going to happen. So the next trailer I want to talk about, and this is one of my favorite ones of the night. And it happened, uh, I think, right before the game started. And that would be Marvel's Civil War. This thing was compact. And I think it was like 30, 45 seconds. So... Um, or it might have been a minute. I don't know. It felt really long, but this trailer was great. It, it pretty much compacted the whole movie within uh, this short uh, time frame. We see a little bit more of the uh, conflict between Iron Man and Captain America. And the best shot of the entire trailer, well, two shots. We see the lineup of the teams, and we see Cap's team, and we actually see Ant-Man next to Cap and uh, uh, Falcon and uh, uh, Black Widow and... Um, Hawkeye, and then it cuts to uh, Iron Man's side with Vision, Scarlet Witch, and or wait, Scarlet Witch on Cap's side. I forgot. I need to remember that. And then uh, the last uh, shot you see of Iron Man's team is it, it kind of um, dollies out to Black Panther, and Black Panther looks so cool. I fucking love his suit, man, because it's, uh, uh, was it Vibranium? 
because uh, I, I keep getting them mixed up because uh, in the comics it's adamantium, but uh, in the movies they have to be separate because adamantium is uh, Wolverine's claws, and uh, in Cap Shield and Black Panther's suit, I think it's vibranium, I believe. I always get it mixed up because uh, that's not what it's called in the comics. Um, yeah, so Cap Shield is made out of vibranium, which is from uh, from the country uh, Wakanda, and in Wakanda, uh, Black Panther rules that uh, area, and uh, vibranium is like the the most prized uh, uh, element in that area, and that's what Cap Shield's made out of. And you know, it's like one of the strongest materials in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Panther's suit is kind of cool because it has like uh, strips of uh, the vibranium throughout his suit, and I think his uh, finger claws are uh, vibrating as well. So if he scratches you, you ain't gonna take his fucking claws off. They will scratch you and fuck you up, son. So the Civil War trailer was great. It showed a little bit more uh, of action. It showed uh, some more uh, facial emotional shots from uh, Iron Man, which looked really cool. But I'm telling you, the last uh, two shots were great just to see the lineup. But uh, I'm just so worried because Iron Man's got vision. And... uh, if you guys have seen Age of Ultron by now, which has almost been a year, by the way, can you believe that? Um, Vision is unstoppable. Like, he is a strong force of nature, and I just don't know how anyone can take him down. Like, he can literally take on everyone and wipe him out in a heartbeat. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to play that out, but it's directed by the Russo brothers, who brought us uh, Winter Soldier, and they're also going to direct Infinity War. So, and Winter Soldier is uh, definitely uh, top three for me in terms of my favorite uh uh, Marvel movies so far, so I'm really excited to see what they do with Civil War, and this 30-second spot just gets me more amped up, son. Get here, May. Fucking get here. So, the next trailer I want to talk about, which is a very weird one, not not weird in the sense that it wasn't good, just weird in how they presented it, uh, the Jungle Book movie, and this is the live-action version of the movie that uh, Disney, uh, one of the movies that they're famous for. And uh, it showed a little bit more footage of uh, you know Mowgli running around in the jungle or whatever. And what was interesting about the trailer is that they had like this 3D pop out effect toward like you know uh, like for instance when you watch this on YouTube, uh, you got a black bar down here and you got a black bar up here. And what was weird is like uh, typically when you have like a widescreen look, everything that happens inside the black bars is what where um, the footage is at. But they would like uh their hand would pop out you know beyond the black bar or whatever in front of it or like their head or something so like it had this like 3d effect and i was wondering if that was like disney's subtle way of going nudge 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 this isn't fucking 3d kids you know beg your mom to go see it um it looked cool and stuff and i think my favorite part of the trailer was at the very end when uh uh blue uh was like uh looking at Mowgli, and he was ta- he talked, he finally talked, because in the first trailer, he didn't talk at all, and he's voiced by Bill fucking Murray, and I think he sounded good, because like, a lot of people that went to D23, which is, you know, the Disney Expo last year, they showed the Jungle Book footage, and they said that Bill Murray didn't really work with Blue, and I was like, okay, well, that kind of gets me down a little bit, but uh, when the trailer was over, I didn't expect him to talk, and when he did, I was like, Bill Murray kind of works. I'm I'm okay with it. Now listen, if, if there's like a scene or whatever that's more long drawn out that kind of turns me in the wrong way, sure. But the snippet that I saw, literally that quick sentence, um, he sounded good as Blue. I believed him as a bear. 
So I guess Bill Murray's spirit animal is a fucking bear. That's what we've learned. So Jungle Book looks great. I love the fact that they created all the environments and the characters. Uh, the only person that's real is Mowgli, played by a, a young little actor, but everything else is CG. And they shot it all on a soundstage in California. And that uh, imagery is just breathtaking. Like, it's ridiculous. So, uh, Jungle Book, I'm excited for it. And the trailer was uh, it was really good. And I really uh, liked uh, when Blue spoke. Uh, the next trailer I want to talk about is Jason Bourne. This is the uh, fifth film. Fifth in the Bourne uh, franchise. Now, uh, full disclosure, uh, my friend Brian absolutely hates me when I say this. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it again for you guys at home. Let me take a drink to... Uh, 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 play out the suspense a little bit. I've never seen any of the Bourne movies. Um, I watched like the third one, like ten minutes of it. That was it. <laughs> um, so, but I gotta tell you, the Jason Bourne trailer, uh, regardless of what I think of the title, because I don't, I don't know much about the history or whatever. So, you know, I can't really judge on its title because I'm, not, I, I don't really know the franchise that well. The trailer looks cool. I, I'm actually really intrigued to see it now. And I think it will be really cool for me to jump in on the fifth one. First, before the first four. I know the fourth one's not uh, Jason Bourne. It's uh, uh, something cross or whatever. Uh, I forgot what Jeremy Brenner played. But the fifth one looks great. The action was like super gritty. And uh, uh, I felt like Matt Damon was actually punching me and stuff like that. It felt real. And... I really liked uh, what was presented in the trailer because when you have a Super Bowl spot, you spend $5 million for a 30-second ad spot. And they crammed a lot in that 30 second. I think it was 45, but they crammed a lot. And there was a lot of action sequences. It looked cool. It it looked like uh, the feel of the first three from all the trailers I've seen and stuff. So, And it's called Jason Bourne. We didn't know what the title was. Uh, until now at the Super Bowl. So it's called Jason Bourne. Um, title, I'm indifferent to it, like I said, because I'm not you know used to the franchise at all. I'm not familiar with it. But this trailer actually makes me want to see it. And uh, Brian texted me a- uh, after he saw it, and uh, uh, he really liked it. So, um, you know, coming from a Bourne fan that likes it, and from myself that's not really a huge fan because I've never seen him, I-, I think it-, it could be a really nice... Uh, a uh, little uh, summer blockbuster hit. So, uh, Jason Bourne looks pretty dope. Uh, this next one will be very fast and painless. Um, a new trailer for Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows dropped. I'm still not interested. It is the same shit as the first trailer. They maybe added a couple more scenes, but I'm just not interested. With the caveat of... I actually dug the first one. I know. It's weird. It's fucking weird. It just kind of blows your mind. But I actually kind of enjoyed watching the first one. I saw it in theaters uh, with my roommate. And I can tell you right now, full-heartedly, that I enjoyed it on a very, very weird level. Uh, was it corny and stupid? Sure. Is Megan Fox's acting getting any better? Not really. But I had fun with it. And I... Uh, I don't want to see the sequel, but if I am dragged to it for whatever reason, I'm not going to like be totally upset because I'm actually curious as to, I don't know. Like it's weird. It's just one of those movies. It's not really 
a guilty pleasure, but it's kind of borderline a guilty pleasure. But I did enjoy the first one, and the sequel, the trailer just looks stupid. But, you know, if I get dragged to it, I'll just... Hey, oh, here we go. I'm, I'll go see it. But, uh, yeah, it's really the same stuff. <laughs> it's nothing really new to talk about. So, I can't believe Paramount shelled out $5 million for that shit. So, uh, the next show I want to talk about is the Independence Day Resurgence trailer that dropped during the Super Bowl. Holy shit. This, uh, this trailer was all destruction. It was like um, destruction shot, dis- destruction shot. And I was like... Holy shit, there's so much going on. Like, um, I didn't know where to uh, look. And uh, Jeff Goldblum popped up, uh, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this movie overall. Because when the first trailer dropped, I actually really liked it. Um, but I'm not like the hugest Independence Day fan in general. But I'll go see this. I like Jeff Goldblum. Ah, ah, ah. Is this a, uh, is this a microphone? Uh, that's a big pile of dino shit. So... Uh, I'll work on my gold bloom, I promise. Uh, actually, I can't promise that because it gets worse every time. Uh, it looks fine, and uh, the destruction shots look cool. The CGI looks really polished and, uh, you know, kind of uh, had an upgrade because, you know, the first one came out in the 90s, so, you know, it's not going to look particularly good in the 90s. They had to use a lot of models and stuff, but this one looks uh, really good. And, uh, you know, as a summer blockbuster, I might go see it. Um, I'm just not, like, as a... Cr- a crazy fan is like some people of uh, uh, Independence Day, but I do. I will admit that uh, the first Independence Day has a lot of uh, great one-liners. Welcome to Earth, bitch! Punching the a uh, punch alien in the face. That's what everyone strives to be: is Will Smith punching an alien in the face. Um, two more trailers to talk about the first the Super Bowl trailers. The next trailer I want to talk about is the Secret Life of Pets, and this was a thirty-second spot, I believe. Didn't really add anything new. Uh, it's literally some of the same jokes with like a couple more shots. It's really not. I honestly think Universal shouldn't have even put this in the Super Bowl. I get it. Kids film, family, Super Bowl, family event. I get it, which was fucking weird. I'll get to that in just a second uh, as a little side note. But I honestly don't think that Universal should have dropped it here. I, I know it's weird to say, but it's kind of a waste. Um because there was really nothing new. There's, I, I'm sure most people are just like me. Just like I've already seen this. So, excuse me. Um, so yeah, I don't know why they dropped a, a trailer, but uh, yeah, it was there. It was whatever. Uh, still same jokes. <laughs> uh, add some new stuff in their Universal if you're gonna do some more p- promotional stuff for it. And then the last Super Bowl trailer that I marked down on my list was X Men Apocalypse. Okay. This film looks fucking awesome. Uh, there was a lot of the same shots used, but uh, most of the shots that were in this uh, Super Bowl spot were action shots. And we saw uh, Cyclops use uh, his uh, vision ray or whatever it's called. Um, we saw Psylocke, uh, played by Olivia Munn, and she was using... Uh, I-, I don't know much about the character, so I apologize, so don't uh, chastise me too bad. But she was using her blades, and she was like cutting through something, so that kind of looked cool. We saw Quicksilver run. We saw... Uh, Jean Grey, I think, used her powers, so it was just a bunch of action shots and uh, some really cool uh, uh, apocalypse co- uh, confrontations and stuff, and it looks awesome. I cannot wait. I, I remember when me and my friends saw uh, Days of Future Past, uh, it was at the opening of the Alamo Draft House in uh, the Richardson area, uh, just outside of Dallas, and uh, it, 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 you know, it was the... It, the 
the opening weekend of that theater or whatever, and we, we went, and, uh, I don't think it was the opening weekend, but it was like around there. But you guys get what I mean. But it was like a cool experience, and the movie was awesome stuff. So it's one of my favorite movie uh, experiences for sure. But I'm super excited for X Men Apocalypse. It just <sighs> looks fucking awesome. Like because Days of Future Past uh, next to X Men Two are my two favorites. So uh, Brian Singer, bring, take us home, man. Bring us another another go, and I am ready for it. So like I said, not really any new shots, just a lot of action shots to see. Uh, some of the newer mutants use their powers, especially the younger ones, because after Apocalypse, they want to kind of reboot the franchise with these new people, which is cool because the kid that plays uh, Cyclops, uh, you know, the kid version is Ty Sheridan, and uh, I got to meet him in 2014 for uh, the Dallas International Film Festival. He had his movie Joe there, and uh, I got to talk to him and stuff, and it was really weird to freak out over a 17-year-old because at this point I was 24, so... It's kind of strange because his dad was in the room because, you know, when actors are uh, below 18, their parents kind of, they have to be with them at, you know, at events and the movies and stuff. So it was just weird for me to fanboy out over someone that was in high school, essentially, because I really liked him in Mud and stuff. And I've been following Ty Sheridan's career for, um, since Mud. And I just think he's a, a really well-rounded actor and he's just, he's just growing. And the fact that he's going to be in this big ass blockbuster and I got to meet him and I got the picture to prove it. It's, it's awesome. Fucking awesome. So, X-Men Apocalypse comes out Memorial Day uh, weekend. Uh, I'm just excited for it. So, that is the Super Bowl trailer portion of the podcast. So, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining me, guys. I'm gone. All right. So, that would be shitty. That would be the worst episode ever. All right. <sighs> guys, this is going to be tough. Because now, we're, we're getting into the entree. We're getting into the main course of the podcast uh i just got really like uh it, that was like sexual radio there i was like all right uh now we're gonna get into some uh sexy nighttime news with uh chase lee <laughs> no uh i would actually be a terrible uh radio host if i hosted like a uh one of those like late night sex lines or whatever i just all right next callers <laughs> oh shit i'm freaking myself out um all right so Let's give a little lead up into the movie. So we're talking about Hell Caesar. Now, I've been a huge fan of the Coen brothers. They are some of my favorite filmmakers. They're original, they're funny, they're quirky. They have some really great dark uh, comedic ideas. Um, they're just original, and I like that. They come up with original ideas. They are their own ideas. They have a distinct style to where if you watch one of the movies, you can tell it was made by them. Uh, my favorite being Fargo. I love you know the Big Lebowski. A serious fan is like my second favorite. I really like Burn After Reading, No Country for Old Men. Uh, True Grit was fine and stuff. So they they have been around for quite some time. Now I need to watch some of their older stuff. That's my fault, but uh, I will get to that. So my roommate and I go see Hail Caesar. I leave the movie. We both looked at each other and we had the same reaction. And we said, I don't know what to think of that. I text, I text some people afterwards. Uh, telling them, I honestly don't know what to think about it. So the whole time while I was watching the Super Bowl and leading up to the show, I was like, how in the holy fuck tits am I going to talk about this movie? Because I honestly don't know where to begin. 
Let's get real and break this down. <sighs> Hail Caesar is directed and written by the Coen brothers, um, like I said. <sighs> Let's start with the directing and the writing, because I think this is where the biggest problems lie. Now, I'm going to start out with my review by saying I like a lot of parts of it, but I dislike a lot of parts of it. There were a lot of moving parts to this movie, and some of which could have been taken out, and they would have not made a damn difference. Or, they could have taken one idea that was really good and ran with it, or go in this other direction and run with it. But they were doing so many things at once, it got convoluted, it was weighed down, and that might be one of my biggest problems about this movie. So let's do it with the directing and writing, like I said. Let's start with... Let's start with the positives. The positives for the writing and the directing, I will say that the Coen brothers really paid homage to the golden age of cinema back in the 50s and stuff. Um, and just everything that, it looks so good going from the production design to the art direction, just from the camera work and the way the actors portrayed older actors back in the day and the absurdity of like, you know, random musicals and bars and uh, these uh, really heavy-handed dramas and these silly spaghetti westerns. They captured that beautifully. And it looked pristine. And it was shot by Roger Deakins, which is one of my favorite cinematographers. Uh, this is the guy that has shot movies like Sicario, No Country for Old Men, Unbroken. The guy is a talented uh, cinematographer. And uh, this movie, it looks really good. But there wasn't like any shot where I was like, that was fucking dope. I like, I like, the, the, I like the way that was shot. There, there wasn't anything like that, kind of like in Sicario, uh, the movie that he did last year. And there were several shots where I was like, holy shit, that was great. From the lighting to the camera step, everything. So visually, this movie is appealing and there's a lot of good moving parts to it. Particularly of which of when they're recreating the, the old cinema scenes uh, in the studios and stuff. I really like that. So visually, it's just outstanding. And the other positive I'll say about the writing and directing is Josh Brolin's character, Eddie Mannix, the guy that runs this studio, Capitol Pictures. He was the best part of the movie by far. And I thought his storyline was really, really good. It was intriguing. There was a lot going on with his in his character, a lot of conflictions and uh, the, the main thing about his character is that we get to see kind of like the day in the life of running a movie studio and the hectic chaos that you have to uh, kind of wrangle in. You're, like uh, It's like someone said in the movie, you basically run a circus, which is true. He's like the ringmaster and he's kind of, you know, making sure all these actors are, um, y you know, uh, well off and all the directors are calm and everything's going smoothly and stuff and make sure you keep everything out of the gossip columns and stuff. So I love Josh Brolin's character. It is, it is absurd to me that his character is so damn good and his story is so intriguing that they bog it down with everything else. So let's get into the cons. There is way too much going on. You need to take some of this shit out. Like Scarlett Johansson's character, she's in there for like one scene. Well, two scenes. Take it out. Her part didn't even need to be needed. Uh, Jonah Hill, who's on the poster, he has four lines. Take him out. He didn't really matter. The gossip columnist, uh, that didn't really matter either. Uh, even though I understand what the Coen brothers were going for. They were showing, like, 
kind of like uh, the inner workings of a studio and then like how the trades get stuff and you know gossip call all that jazz. I get that but there was so much going on that you couldn't focus on one thing it, it was almost like this is a movie for you know people with ADHD or something like it was just going this way then it was going that way then we concentrate on this and it's like why is there a scene about that that seems important but it's never talked about again and then it just fucking runs that way and it's like uh, can we just focus on one thing please I'm going to tread lightly because I don't spoil anything on this podcast, but with George Clooney's storyline, you guys know in the trailer that he gets kidnapped, and that's all I'll say. I won't go any further. I won't tell you why he's kidnapped or all this and stuff, but that storyline kind of goes nowhere. It's like, it's kind of anticlimactic. It kind of goes up and up, and it's like, okay, it's kind of intriguing, and then just, uh, just, just kind of blows in the wind. It's just, it's just gone. It's fucking dust. Just poof, it's gone. Um... Those were the two conflicting storylines, were Josh Brolin's character and George Clooney's character. Those storylines were kind of going this way, and then, yeah, eventually they converge at the end. But I seriously think they should have stuck with um, one or the other. Now, if they were going to do both, you could have done that. There are several points in George Clooney's storyline you could have stopped. You could have been like, uh, okay, that's intriguing. That's enough information to kind of know what's going on. And you could have just not shown anymore. But they kept going and going. And it's just like, it's just like, okay. It just kind of just ends in that kind of storyline aspect before the end wraps up. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. It was an important part of history, but you should have explored it a lot more. Or, I, I don't know. It was just... I just I can't wrap my head around like the fact that they put all this shit in there and they could have like trimmed it down. It was intriguing. Just if you wanted to do both, you just stop at a certain point. Like I said, guys, it's really hard to fucking talk about because I don't want to spoil anything. Or just take it out completely and just focus on Josh Brolin's character because he was by far the most interesting thing ever uh, in the movie. I just I was so intrigued by his character. It was insane. Um, and he did a really good job, by the way. But we'll get to that in just a second. Um, as far as the other cons with the acting, like I said. Uh, it could have been trimmed down um, and take some stuff out. You, uh, it was very com- uh, convoluted in the storylines and where they wanted to go. They didn't really have a direct vision on where to go. A lot of cool ideas and stuff. I just didn't feel like it was focused enough. And the other thing. I felt like they stayed way too long on the uh, sets. And uh, every time they would move from studio uh, to studio uh, within the you know the studio itself, like the lots or whatever... Uh, they would show it way too long. Like, Scarlett Johansson scene goes on forever and ever and ever. Listen, I get it. It's beautiful. It's it's good to look at. And it really, like I said, it pays a nice homage to that time. However, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't it doesn't matter. You could have taken it out. It, it wouldn't fucking matter at all. Um, and if you do want to show all these sets and stuff, uh, and all the flourishes of the colors and the costumes and stuff, I get that. You want to show it off. Just cut it down a little bit. You don't have to show like full like ten minute sequences. You can cut that shit down. Um, and I guess the other con is that this movie is advertised as a comedy. There may be a few funny moments in the trailer, uh, or uh, in the movie. Sorry, um, because the trailer makes it seem like it's it's like a, a thousand miles an hour jokey jokey jokey. Uh, when that's not really the case. Like it's it's very rare in the jokes. Um. You know, it's a kidnapping film, it's a comedy, it's a drama. Like I said, it's actually unfocused in the genres too. Uh, But that's just me, like I said. So those are my problems with the writing and directing for sure. Um, But like I said, some of the parts were good. Like uh, Josh Bolton's storyline. 
the production design and how visually stunning it looked and how it paid homage. I love that stuff. But the other stuff, it could have been either trimmed down or focused on that more or cut down on that. Or just They should have focused on one thing at most, maybe another thing, but refined it a little bit. But like I said, it's hard to talk about because I don't want to spoil. All right, so let's get into the acting. Like I said, Josh Brolin kills it. I loved his character uh, from start to finish. Even though there were a couple scenes with like him and his family, I was like, okay, that didn't really go anywhere either. That's what I'm saying. Like another scene that was just kind of like, whoops. Um, yeah, I really loved his character, and there was a really cool scene at the end. Uh, you know, with the under themes of like capitalism and uh, capitalism lying in the studio system uh, to please, uh, y- you know, please the higher up people. Um, the most instead of like you know the average man uh so basically it's like a a factory and it's not really you know about the art it's about the money and stuff so i thought there was some really cool underlying things but like i said that's all i'll say um i i like i said there there are moments in his character where like he's like really likable and stuff and like he does some uh you know hard-hitting things as a boss and it's like you get what he's doing you get where he's coming from and he's got a lot of uh conflictions uh dealing uh with him inside and stuff and uh, his religious uh beliefs and whatnot do help him along the way i thought there were some nice correlations between uh like uh god and stuff and like god in the the studio system it's it's pretty uh interesting stuff um but he has the most arc and stuff he has the most interest i really loved him a lot as eddie mannix everyone else to be honest does fine um there was really no other person that stuck out to me uh, like I said, most of the characters could have been taken out. Um, Ray Fiennes plays a director, and he's really cool. He has a funny little scene with uh, oh shit, uh, I forgot the the guy's name, but uh, he plays the cowboy in the movie. That's all I'll say because I don't know his name. But uh, he has a funny scene with the director, and uh, he has some cool moments and stuff. And George Clooney, I don't know what it is about George Clooney, but I've never found him to be funny. Like I said, it, it's weird, I know, but like, because he's been in the business forever. I've never found him funny. To where I'm just like, oh, George, you, you're you a laugh riot, sir. You're you're a laugh riot. I just, I, I, I've never got that impression from him. But he's fine in this movie. Like I said, everyone was just fine. Except for Josh Brolin, um, Ray Fiennes, and the new kid that plays the cowboy. I thought they all three were great. Um, everyone else was whatever. Cinematography-wise, like I said, they really capture the uh, golden age of cinema, if you will. The colors are bright. The the uh, the music is fast. The the camera work is is nice and swift. It's it's got this nice little energy to it. I really appreciate the way it was shot and the way it was lit with um, the production design, the art design, the costume design. It all works. It's all great. Roger Deakins is a legend. Um, I. I him and Emmanuel Lubezki are like my two favorite cinematographers working right now, and they're just absolutely divine. I rarely use that word because I'm not fancy enough, but holy shit, they are fucking awesome. So, uh, cinematography is bar none fantastic, uh, but it, it's definitely not like Roger Deakins' like most profound shot or you know most beautiful, but it is a very well uh, looking movie. No denying that. Uh, Editing-wise, the movie is about, I think, uh, hour 50, but with, you know, previews and stuff, it's gonna, it's gonna clock in about two hours. The weird thing is, 
I never felt bored because I was curious as to where this movie was going to go and how it was going to end because the Coen brothers are notorious for having like these open-ended endings, which this one does. So I was never bored. I was intrigued by the characters enough to where it kept my interest to kind of trudge along the film. Um, yeah, so I think it's got a nice pace to it. But the fact that it's so messy and there's a lot of uh, subplots that just, just could have been taken out. It's it When they happen and you don't hear about them ever again, it's like, well... then you start thinking about it and it kind of ruins your experience because you're like, oh, they could have cut that out. Like, I don't understand like why I was there. Um, but I think it has a nice pace. It's not the most well-paced, but it's entertaining enough to keep your interest, I, I, I believe. Um, this is really hard for me because I don't know what to grade it. I honestly don't. Like, even before I started recording, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this movie. I don't because there are parts I like and there are parts I don't. Um, but I feel like if I give it a C, it's almost like downgrading the movie because just the overall look of it is so outstanding and I, just, I feel so dirty for cheapening them like that but at the same time it's bogged down by too much shit um i'm doing this live and i gotta come up with something i just because i was debating on either something in the c's or something in the b's but i think a b is too high because there's too much going on uh i'll go c plus I think it's I think it's a fine average movie because I think it balances out between all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. Oh, another bad thing. Uh, I didn't care for the narration. There was a few scenes that were narrated. Take that shit out. So I think with the overall balance of the good and the bad, I would have given it a C. But I'm going to give it that plus because of the sheer look of it. But I honestly don't want to see this movie again. I really don't. And I, I even afterwards, me and my roommate were talking. We were trying to think of like what what the ending meant and stuff, and how it tied into everything, and uh, whatnot. Because essentially, this movie is a day in the life of a movie studio. That's all it is, basically. And I try to find the meaning, and I might have to watch it again. I might bump on my score in the future, uh, and I might find some deeper meaning into it, just like I did with a serious man. Because when I first saw a serious man, I really liked it. But when I saw it a second time, I really loved it. So, I don't know. Just for me personally right now, not my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Kind of a disappointment in my eyes. Uh, there's just a lot uh, a lot of bad going on. That I'm just like, mm, whatever. But there's just so much good. I, just, I couldn't uh, rate it too low. But I'm going to give it a C+. I think if you're a Coen Brothers fan, I think you'll like it. But I don't think you'll love it. Um, I just... I To this, to this uh, moment right now, even after... Um, you know, 13 hours after I saw it, I still don't know what to think about it. I'm still confused by it. Like, I just, I don't know whether I like it, I dislike it, kind of love it. I, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, but as of the recording right now, because I do need to get this episode up to you guys, that is my thoughts on Hail Caesar uh, C+. So, have you seen Hail Caesar or haven't even heard of it? Do you like the Coen Brothers? What is your favorite Coen Brothers movie? What's your least favorite Coen Brothers movie? Comment that place up on my face and let me know. Alright guys, we're getting to the dessert portion of this podcast, the the ending, the last note of this podcast. And so, we're going to talk about the uh, box office results for the weekend. What was the uh, top five results? Alright, I got the numbers here. <clears throat> uh, first of all, uh, three new movies came out this weekend, and um, one of them actually got sixth place. So I'll go ahead and read the sixth out. Uh, in sixth sixth place... 
Pride and Prejudice and Zombies didn't see it, didn't care. Who cares? Uh, with 5.2 million, its budget is uh, 28 million. Uh, so it made 5.2 domestically, which is the U.S. and Canada. So uh, it needs to make about 56 to break even. Because my rule is you have to double the production budget since a lot are taken out uh, for the theater cuts and you got marketing stuff. So about 56, 60 uh, to break even. Don't know if it can. <laughs> Number five is the choice with 6.85 million uh, for its opening weekend. Its budget is unknown, but I can't believe uh, Nicholas Sparks movies are still making money. That just boggles my mind. Uh, number four is Star Wars The Force Awakens with 6.8 million. And right now, at the recording of this podcast, it has 905 million domestically, which is insane, by the way. And uh, worldwide, it's got 2 billion, 8 million. Uh, 8.3 million. So, uh, it finally did, guys. It reached 2 billion. Now, uh, if you guys want a uh, kind of a, a gauge as to where it's at worldwide uh, in terms of Avatar and Titanic, uh, Titanic is sitting at 2 billion 186 million. So, it's still got about 178 million to go. It's not going to beat it. Um, and then Avatar, it's 2.7 billion. Got about seven hundred and eighty billion to go, or eighty. Sorry, that's a lot. Seven hundred eighty million. Not going to happen. I think Star Wars will rest comfortably at number three, but that's okay because it it made nine hundred and five domestically. That is insane. So, yeah, congratulations, Star Wars. You finally hit that two billion uh, club. Good for you, my son. All right, number three, which is. The Revenant was 7.1 million. Uh, still my favorite from last year. Absolutely love it. Um, domestically, it's got 149, but worldwide, it's got 326 on a budget of 135. It needs to make about 270, probably 300 to break even. Maybe a little lower. It's at 326. Guys, The Revenant, which cost. 135 million has made profit. Holy shit. I remember when they were going through their reshoots and they were this the cost was just skyrocketing through the, the fucking roof. I was talking with my friend Jackson and we're like, there's no way. There's no fucking way it's gonna break it. Cause this is a niche film for film lovers. Not I don't think it's gonna be a commercial hit. And now look, the fucking numbers don't lie. This movie has made profit. That's awesome, man. It's my favorite movie of last year. I'm just glad it's getting love. I don't even know what to say after that. All right. Number two is Hail Caesar with 11.4 million. And uh, a very modest budget, actually, with the amount of stars that they had. 22 million. Not bad. Um, so it needs to make about 44 to break even. <clears throat> With it making 11 million uh, domestically, there's no worldwide numbers. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it can do it. It's still, you know, got uh, a ways to go. It's got about 33 to go. I honestly don't know. Um, and, and, you know, the more movies that come out, it's going to be harder for it to reach its numbers, especially next weekend. 
it's gonna be a slaughter. Um, but yeah, eleven point four million. So uh, I don't know. Kind of deserves it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, number one of the weekend, Kung Fu Panda three with twenty one more million dollars added to it. Uh, domestically, it's got sixty nine, and uh, worldwide, it's got one ninety eight. So about to hit two hundred. The budget is unknown, but I'm assuming with two hundred worldwide, it's probably doing okay right now. It's on the right track. So that is it, guys. That is the box of results for the weekend. Uh, and that will do it. That's the end of the show. So let's wrap it up. Um, yeah, so next week, guys, episode 117, I will have my show over Deadpool and Zoolander 2. Now, if you go to my YouTube page and want to be spoiled before next weekend, uh, I have done my Deadpool review. I saw it last Thursday, and so I had my review up, and I, I won't say anything about it. Uh, right here that is for next week's show but if you just have an itch and you want to hear my thoughts right away it is on my youtube page but if you want to wait until next week um as the main topic of the show or one of the main topics then you can wait until next week but um you know if you want to go to my youtube page that would be uh in the link in the description below as well as my twitter is at real chase lee and uh uh, if you want to uh, follow me on spreaker iHeartRadio, all that jazz you can do just that um yeah, so next week, uh, like I said, will be Deadpool and Zoolander 2 is the main focus. And, of course, the news and the trailers that dropped uh, that week as well. The following week is going to be very interesting because uh, there's not really much coming out. So I don't know what I'm going to have a review over. And then uh, the last weekend in February, whatever's coming out that weekend, I'll probably see. And then I'll have a bonus episode of doing the whole Oscar uh, coverage of 2016. Um uh, record for the whole three hours and stuff so that should be fun so uh with that being said guys i want you uh to have a good day good night whenever the hell you're listening to this you guys are fucking awesome you guys are the best listeners in the world i appreciate you guys listening or watching as you do every single week on this crazy fucking show you guys are awesome i'm chase lee and hey listen if you listen to this entire movie podcast and you were not a movie fan well hopefully i convinced you to be one I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. Uh, Hey, listen, uh, the intro and outro music is done by my friend's band, Fervent Rose. Check them out. Link in the description below. Peace out, guys. Hail Caesar is kind of an iffy thing, but, you know, if you're curious about it, I would still say go see it. But other than that, just be cautious. So I'll see you guys next week for another crazy episode of shit. Good old shit. Deadpool and Zoolander 2 should be a good one. See you guys next week. See you guys later. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port ins and finance agreements required.